0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Just Dow It, the podcast for people starting DAOs. I'm Adam Miller, and I'm your host. I'm the CEO of MyDAO, which provides legal entity solutions for DAOs. And prior to starting MyDAO, I did consulting for people starting and operating DAOs. Uh, for the first episode of the week, we will do the Just Dow It news report. Uh, make sure to tune in again later in the week for the in-depth interview with our guest. In the meantime, our guest, Vikram, will be helping me walk through recent DAO news and sharing our hot takes, what we agree with, disagree with, what we think is relevant for DAOs. So to get things started, Vikram, would you please give an introduction to yourself and in particular, what makes you an authority on DAOs?
1: Absolutely, Adam. Uh, an absolute pleasure being here and thank you for doing this. Uh, Background-wise, I am the co-founder and the CEO of Lens. We are a suite of tools that just work very closely with DAOs to help them handle, be it parts of their operations, be it parts of their management, parts of their growth, parts of their internal tech development, and whatnot. Uh, Background-wise, before Talens, I was the head of product at Merkle Science, more in terms of like an AVP. And uh, Merkle Science is, again, a company that goes after crypto tokens and basically tracks malicious or illicit use. So I have spent quite a... few number of hours with teams from like, so FBI raw the best of the intelligence wings around the world who are just trying to figure out, Hey, something wrong happened. There's a rug pull. There is an alert. Maybe this looks like, uh, an attempt at like laundering money and whatnot. And I've been in this space since 2015, uh, got into DAOs in 2017, dismissed them badly because I was not at all convinced with them. But as vertical science happened, of course, you get into the center of all of it all. And like, I, I believe it was somewhere around 2020 and 2021 mid where I ended up again getting involved into DAOs and I was surprisingly interested in a good way because uh, DAOs had evolved from like, you know, hey, let's replace governments to a group of people who were really thinking of, okay, how do we as a group sustain? You were not really talking about just like these ideal uh, thoughts that you have of overthrowing governments or like going into a very ubiquitous world on day one. And I think it was there where I got interested. And once you are in the crypto ecosystem, you understand that, okay, most of the times it's about starting. So I, I knew a few friends, I hit them up, got started with a few DAOs. And I think before you knew, like one thing leads to the other because the community is still pretty small. And uh, I think by now, I have probably contributed in over 40, 45 DAOs in different capacities. With DAOLens, I have spoken to almost 300 plus DAOs in the last. Uh, Five six months, and it's mostly with dowlands It's been about hey, what are you really building? Where are you stuck? Would you want to try this out? We have been doing a lot of experiments. We have been asking their feedback. We have been asking their problems so that we can find out solutions to them. And of course, uh, in the process, uh, I have also hung out with a lot of folks who are pretty much like who have their dow in an absolute silo, and also people who are thinking of getting DAOs to spread in an ecosystem. For example, near it's planning on like getting all of the DAOs across the ecosystem to scale up in a certain way. I think it's just being around these phenomenal folks that pretty much like has solidified my views and have some very strong opinions about where we are as a DAO. And uh, that's pretty much a quick intro and what I think I can contribute.
0: Awesome. I love it. Yeah. um, Fantastic. Well, so excited to have you on the show. Let's turn to the Just Dow It News report, where I will summarize each story for our guest and for the audience, and then we will dig into our reactions to each piece. So the first story of the week is from Coindesk. And the headline is, Finnish minister calls for EU law to recognize DAOs. Brussels must act to enable smart contracts to take off across the block, Communications Minister Tim Haraka said. So this is really exciting. Of course, I'm in the business of helping um, one jurisdiction, which is the Marshall Islands, uh, help uh, bring DAOs to the world. And we always love to see when other countries are uh, following suit. And in this case, even more than a country, potentially the whole European bloc. I think what's interesting is you know, they're looking at it very broadly, like, look, this is an important thing that's happening in the world. How do we make sure that people can do it and that in the EU, people can take advantage of and leverage this new technology? So um, I think it's really exciting. What do you think?
1: No, absolutely. And I think just the fact that it's EU, because everyone pretty much understands what EU is. When EU starts talking about something, it puts spotlight into it. So I think like everybody agrees at least in the elite DAO communities as well. And what I mean by elite is like people who are really into it for solving DAOs and making them sustainable. They understand that we are not like as a perfect model, right? Like, but there needs to be enough discussions. There is this whole side of like just saying, oh, DAOs, I don't know, they look like something shady. And that has like done a lot of damage. Uh, People are scared. There's absolutely no clarity in terms of what do we do with the community. So, More of these talks and I think even just like news like this coming into the media is like a phenomenal first step, specifically with EU, like what to say. I am super excited and I will be following up on the details as well because they usually move slow, but they are very thorough on certain fronts. Mm -hmm. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. And, you know, relatedly, the next article actually is very connected. It's from Cointelegraph and the headline is... WEF, which is the World Economic Forum, publishes new in-depth guide to DAOs to air issues and encourage development. The World Economic Forum's Decentralized Autonomous Organization Toolkit is the fruit of the labor of over 100 experts in a concise discussion format. So this is really, I mean, this takes what you were just saying to another level in terms of... Um, governmental organizations recognizing DAOs and that helping DAOs, you know, uh, get recognized by the world and come to prominence. This, I mean, this really blew my mind because I expected if the World Economic Forum is going to write about DAOs, they're going to be thinking about like very specific, maybe macroeconomic implications or legal and regulatory implications only. But this report, which is a PDF that's about uh, 40 pages long, it actually starts with what is a DAO? What are the distinguishing characteristics of a DAO? Understanding the DAO landscape, DAO opportunities and challenges, goes into DAO operations, DAO governance, legal structures, mentions the Marshall Islands as well as a number of other jurisdictions. Recommendations for DAOs in terms of how they operate, their governance, and legal and policy. So um, this is just really exciting to see. I mean, I had I, I almost feel like if a hundred experts were working on this, we would have heard about it. But maybe maybe they're good at at keeping things secret. But this this just looks like an an incredibly invaluable resource. So especially for someone who's new to DAOs, highly recommend they go download this PDF and check it out. And like all the articles, that there will be a link in the show notes.
1: Absolutely, and I I like. To be honest, I didn't know that uh, we could expect something like that from WEF. Uh, Surprisingly, earlier today, I was just sitting with my team and like showing them the PDF. It's a long one. And I have been through quite a few PDFs that are about legality and the legal sides of DAOs and how should probably DAOs think of structuring themselves so that they are not into any sort of a trouble. And it usually gets very tough to consume. I think I'm somewhere up onto page number 25. And so far, I'm just loving whatever I'm reading. At least it's very friendly for a beginner; it doesn't scare you off outright. Though uh, I am pretty like sure that everyone understands that that report in itself will not be like the playbook that you want to stick with. But again, like absolutely brilliant to see initiatives like this and thing like two back-to-back news with European Union and then the like the Economic Forum taking it up. Uh, super excited, yeah. happy and relieved at the same time because we have been in a very ambiguous state for a long time on our side as well. So yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. And you know, it reminds me last year, I've probably mentioned this on the show, but I heard a statistic around September, I think, that uh, someone had done research on how many people in America, so it's just America focused but how many people in America had heard of DAOs. And the result was about 5%. And I think 2023 is going to be the year that we go to 100% or f- at least 50% to 100%. Kind of like NFTs did, I think, last year. Maybe it was the year before where at one point, no one, I mean, outside of crypto, knew what an NFT was. And by the end of the year, everyone had at least heard of it, if nothing else. And I, I think that's going to happen this year with DAOs. What, what do you think? Is that a good prediction?
1: Been, been waiting for that statement to come true for a long time. But I agree, <laughs> like definitely maybe 60 70% because it's like barely 18 days in this year and we're already seeing like, so many discussions around DAOs pop up here and there for the right reasons. In fact, uh, like we don't talk a lot, even like, so my engineering team sets out of India and back in India, there's not really a lot of discussion about uh, how cryptocurrency works because there's a lot of ambiguity around what is accepted, what is not accepted given the government regulations. And somebody from the government reached out saying, hey, I just saw you launch a new product and we were curious if we could like, Explore this for the internal communities. We were not even thinking about that. And the the minute I ran into that proposal, I was like, okay, let like, wait, are you really saying that you are considering this as an offering? Uh, Isn't this like something which we have not been acceptable to? But what I'm really coming to is that there have been a lot of discussions. And I think when we started Dowlands last year, uh, earlier last year, it was mostly about 2021 was the year of NFT, 2022 is the year of DAOs, And that didn't happen. But I am very bullish on 2023 being the year. Definitely 60, 70% of the people would be aware of DAO as a term. Maybe not the similarities, but what? Like definitely. Yeah.
0: yeah, and that should be good for business for those of us in the DAO, you know, the DAO business because you know, however much activity there is today, by the end of the year, I think it will 10x at least. So um, that's, that's really exciting. Uh, next article so we 've been talking about Uki Dao for I think three months on the show, and uh we 've gone through you know all of the news that 's come out, all the updates, uh, a lot of the implications of what we 're hearing. Another piece of news came out um, this week, which is well, here it is from Cointelegraph. Telegraph, so the headline is. Uki Dow misses lawsuit response deadline, default judgment on the cards. The commodities regulator has begun the process of getting a court ruling on the Uki Dow case after the Dow failed to respond to the lawsuit by the deadline. Okay, th- this just surprised me um, in, in a couple ways. I mean, so, you know, as we've talked about before, the uh, court served notice to the Dow that they were being um, sued by the CFTC. Um, uh, by, uh, their, I think, their web forum, where the DAO has their discussions. And there was a lot of argument, even like Andreessen Horowitz, uh, A16Z, joined a motion, an, an amicus brief motion, asking telling the court that's not a good way to notify the DAO that they were being sued. Um, but that amicus brief failed. And so I thought, surely the DAO, you know, whether it's the leaders or the members, are going to respond to the accusation and say that we're not guilty or let's have a discussion and try to settle. I mean, whatever you do in that situation, I don't know. But um, oddly to me, they they simply haven't responded at all. And given the amount of press coverage this has had for three or four months, there's no way they didn't know. There's no way at least a number of the people in the DAO didn't know they had been served. So I wonder, it makes me wonder if they're if they're hiding, if they're just saying, look, good luck trying to find me. You know, all you have is a token address or, or maybe... Maybe, maybe there's other ways to continue to fight this, but it was a surprise. Um, I hope that there is not a summary judgment because um, that that sounds bad. I mean, I feel like it's actually important that somehow this this case is brought to court so the discussion can be had about, about what went on. But uh, anyways, that's the latest update. So what do you think about that, Vikram?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think I had some mixed feelings right from the day this came public. I, in fact, wrote about it on Twitter as well back then and The idea was that I was very sympathetic because it was okay, but pretty much if you go in and look at how the CFT brought it forward, CFTC brought it forward, it would have been any DAO for that matter, right? Like now, I was sympathetic on that front that, okay, hey, you know what? Like there are a lot of people who are doing the similar things. You just ended up getting hold of this DAO, great. But now, the entire DAO community, the way they have rallied behind this information, they have all come up with their thoughts. I think it's one of the most talked about topics towards the end of the last year. Now everybody has their eyes on what's really happening with Uki. And in situations like this, you probably have to like step up in a positive way. I think the response is not really appropriate because you running away, that's exactly the narrative we are trying to run away from. We're not going to say that, hey, you know what, like we are random people who are just criminals sitting behind these wallet IDs and whatnot. So I think we need to really put our way forward here and like be so I am not really happy with this, and definitely not a good news for the industry. But
0: yeah. Yeah, such a good point. I mean, maybe there's some strategy behind the scenes that we'll find out about later, you know, that 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 that's actually intentional. But yeah, it, it does, yeah, it does seem seem like an odd approach. So we will continue to follow the Ookie Dao case on the show. Meanwhile, the next story is from the block, and the headline is. Sushi DAO votes to send all fees to treasury, but it was a fight between whales. Sushi DAO voted to redirect the exchange's trading fees from token holders to the project's treasury. The vote was pushed through by two whales. Okay, I think there's. A couple of really interesting things happening here. Um, first of all, let's talk about, uh, well, if for anyone who doesn't know what Sushi DAO is, Sushi DAO is a DAO that governs and supports Sushi, which is a decentralized exchange. Um, so It's a place you can go to trade you know, one token for another token or other digital assets for other digital assets. And first of all, let's just talk about the decision they made. So there's a lot of discussion in crypto right now, especially because we're in a a bear market and difficult macroeconomic environment, that crypto projects need to make sure they're thinking about how they show true value to their token holders, right? And not necessarily just saying, well, maybe the token will have value one day, maybe not. But rather, perhaps you should pay fees to the token holders, almost like dividends in a traditional company. And um in this case though, the DAO has voted to do something a little bit different, which is also not uncommon, which is have all the fees go into a treasury which is controlled by the token holders. So instead of paying people directly, you're sending money into an account that's going to get millions and millions of dollars, um, possibly even tens or hundreds of millions of dollars over the course of a year, and people can decide together how to use that money. And presumably they could also decide then to just do a distribution to the token holders, but more likely they would decide in the case of a treasury to spend that money on improvements to the protocol or marketing or or other things. Um, so uh you know, at, at first glance, there, there's nothing extraordinary about that. I think it's it's a it's an interesting um, decision that any DAO has to make about any project. The other part of the story is that the vote was pushed through by two whales. So, if anyone doesn't know, when we talk about whales in crypto, we're talking about really, really wealthy hold people or holders of some token. So people who hold a lot of the token in question. So these two whales, um, and actually I'm I'm seeing in the article, five whales, so five large entities combined held 88.5% of the total votes. So basically those five people are deciding what happens with Sushi DAO. And the article is saying, well, this doesn't sound very much like a DAO, or it doesn't sound like the ideal that we're shooting for in crypto. Um, And I think there's some truth to that. I mean, I I think what's important for people to recognize when they're working with DAOs, working with token projects in general, um, is DAOs allow you to do things however you want, right? They introduce new capabilities that make it possible to distribute governance much more widely than has ever been possible before. And for that governance to be able to scale at extremely low cost in ways that was never possible before. But it's up to the people who create and lead a project to decide the extent to which they want to take advantage of those capabilities. And if a project decides that, or just as a result of their actions, that 88% of the votes are held by five entities or five people, then everyone just needs to go into that project with their eyes open, knowing that that's the environment they're going into and deciding whether they're comfortable with that or not. Same thing for the people providing liquidity in the decentralized exchanges that Sushi runs and those protocols um, or using the protocol, right? Customers, Liquidity providers, LPs, all have to decide: Is this something we want to be a part of, want to be a part of, or not? And so, I don't have any problem with whales in crypto. I just think it's important for people to be knowledgeable going in. You know, take a look at the token distribution and decide whether it's something you want to be a part of or not. There's nothing wrong with having organizations with you know people in them who have a lot of say. Um, just something we should be aware of. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I I have like so many thoughts because this topic is pretty much what I keep sweating on day in and day out on uh, the idea of governance and how really power can pretty much be decentralized. Uh, You have this interesting ideas and concepts in the form of delegates coming in on one front. And there are a lot of experiments being done to try out how we can really like have proper representation and like deal with the problem of voter apathy, where people are not really aware of how they are supposed to vote, but on the other end, you still see these delegates probably at times misusing. And there is like some very interesting economical models being floated around, which is interestingly on a personal level, Adam, I have been a big fan of. Like even from the day, and I have used Susie Shop, I have used pancake Shop on multiple counts. I know uh, how big these communities are. I think like if you go on and look at their Discord, we are probably looking at seventy thousand, seventy two thousand members. And even if like five thousand people or a thousand people are a part of the DAO, five people making a Decision on their behalf that never really sits right. Specifically, when you are dealing with a community like I think Sushi has probably a follower base of like 200, 300,000 people over Twitter, which means there are like 100,000 users, 50,000 users, and everyone who's probably interacting with Sushi at some point in time thinks about depositing it. So, for these whales, they have their own perspective of what may be right or wrong for the community, but you are basically making a decision. Which may really be interesting in the way that this is the first time I've heard someone coming and saying, Hey, you know what? We are caring about the, like, longevity of the project. We know we are running short on treasury. Let's divert the funds. It's, it's very interesting. It impresses me in one way. But on the other end, I think, like, we, if you were just to look at the number of people who would probably oppose to it, and not really just go by their voting power there would be a massive, like massive amount of people who would just go in and say, you know what, this doesn't sit right with us because maybe for some, it's the way they're making money. It's it's a way in which they are probably earning a part of their livelihood and whatnot. And it just like skews up a lot of things because uh, if I know about it, the proposal is that this is going to happen for the next one year. And again, very strong views on that. So while I am intrigued by the proposal and the project, it, at least like trying that direction out, I think many people will try and it's a brilliant thing because we are not like just saying that, you know, as a project, we are going to go bankrupt. They're really going and sitting and making effort to make sure that it survives. But maybe the way it was done could have been slightly improvised. But again, uh, these are things which will only become clearer with time in terms of how do you really tackle scenarios like this? So.
0: Yeah, you know, I'm reminded too of a news story from, I don't know, maybe a month or two ago, which is that Sushi is also the DAO that hired what they called a head chef, which is basically a CEO. I mean, I don't know if they'd say that or not, but it's what it sounds like. And so it's interesting that, and that was another thing that a lot of people were critical of and said, well, that's not like a DAO to hire a CEO. I actually think it's totally fine for a DAO to hire a CEO. Again, I think it's really just up to the people involved. What type of structure works best for your project? Um, what's going to be more effective or what do you prefer? Um, but uh, yeah, the same DAO that's the one that hired a head chef is the DAO that was already controlled by only five people. And, and now they put a lot of power in, in one person. So an interesting pattern here emerging from, from Sushi, whose token, by the way, I just looked up the token fell by like 40% in yeah. value since they made this announcement, um, kind of not surprisingly. Bound to happen. Yeah. Yeah. All right, next story, we've got a couple tweets. Uh, the first tweet is from Aaron Soskin, who's a, a well-known name in the DAO space. Uh, the tweet is, thousands of people tried out DAOs last year, but to their dismay, 99% of them walked away thinking that DAOs were broken. Here's one secret that will ensure your DAO works out. It's called, just do the fucking work. That's it. <laughs> Literally, that's the secret. <laughs> So I'll read one more uh, tweet in the thread. People think that DAOs are a get out of corporation jail free card. That somehow the fact that something is decentralized makes it easier. It's quite literally the opposite. DAOs only work if you actually do the work. Those are the table stakes. If you can't meet that bar, nothing else matters. Okay, so he's onto something here, and I think like a lot of uh, good uh, tw- uh, tweeters, a lot of good Twitter users, um, they're good at saying something sensational, even if it's not doesn't uh, carry a lot of the nuance. And I think Aaron probably has more nuanced views, but um, I think he's highlighting one of the important things to remember about what makes a DAO work, which is, yeah, just being a DAO doesn't make you successful. That's just, it's your governance, it's your organizational structure. Normally, the point of an organization is to do something. There's exceptions, maybe like an association where it's really just a way for people to gather just in case they need to do something together or to mutually fund occasional things. But for most organizations, they're really trying to accomplish something. And so, of course, if the people involved are not actually doing that thing, it doesn't matter how decentralized you are, how much of a doubt you are. Um, I think there's also a lot more to the story. You know, that's not the only thing that's needed. Um, even in the cases where you have people who are really skilled, really talented, really working very hard, there's a lot of other challenges that DAOs are facing that that we're all trying to solve. And you, in particular, Vikram, with the work that you do, um, which is how do you actually coordinate people? Uh, in this new way, that's much more distributed, less hierarchical. Um, governance is shared amongst a large number of people that are all over the world and never see each other in person. And you're doing everything on software, new software that people aren't used to. So maybe there's others I'm not thinking of, but I think even for a DAO where people do the work, there's a lot of other things that can go wrong too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, uh, so what's like, Let's let's look back at what has happened over the last year as well, right? Like if you go and see uh, one year back, maybe January 2022, there were bounties being floated around, which was something on the lines of, hey, you know what? Like uh, you are here on Just It podcast. Let's say we were a DAO and there were a group of 50 people. We would go float about, like give a a bounty, which was something like, write a summary Twitter thread on Just It podcast and get paid $500. There was easy money, right? Like and it was unfortunate because that sent out the wrong signals. There were people who, like just left their jobs because they were like, oh, you know what? I can sit here and like write five Twitter threads and make 2K in a day. Sure, you can only as long as the market is supporting because the market's flipped and then suddenly those Twitter threads are probably like, you have to write five Twitter threads to make $10 today. <laughs> and it's 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 a lot of hard work, right? Like because you end, you end up realizing, and it was there where we saw one thing though, what has been consistent is that back then also, whether you were a community of 10,000 people, the number of people showing up on community calls in a regular way, where all of these communities hang out, were 20, 30. And today as well, even if the community is the same size, the number of people showing up are 20, 30. These are the real people who understand the pulse of the ecosystem. They are there not just for the sake of a hobby, not just to like make some quick buck on the side, but they're there because there is a higher cost to it. For many, it's not even the primary source of income, but they believe in it. And I've seen some phenomenal collaborations happen uh, in the space like that. So couldn't agree more to the point that, hey, you need to really work. And there is this idea of how do you really get started in a DAO? Because it looks like decentralized autonomous organization, a lot of jargon. I don't understand what a smart contract is. That is where a lot of tools like us come in and say that, hey, you know what? You don't know anything. Don't worry. What are you? Are you a fashion designer? I have got something for you in a DAO. Are you a legal expert? I've got something for you. Are you a front-end developer? I have got... The intent is to like make people successful. And unless we do that, part of it is also because we have built inherently complex solutions. You see, when you swipe a card, a credit card today, there are maybe like 10,000 things that's happening in the back end. But you don't really know. You just tap it, you enter the pin or you just swipe it and you, you walk through with the items, right? Like today, unfortunately, what's happening in crypto is whenever you're doing something, Everything that's happening in the back end is right in front of your eyes. It's overwhelming. It's like, okay, enter this key, enter this, mm. store it, this secret phrase and so on. And we'll get sophisticated. But I think it's partly the narrative where, when there is a bear cycle, everyone, everything just goes in a very different way. When there is a bull cycle, you're like, oh, let's just make the community 20,000 people because apparently that is what growth is in those mm. days. And then there is this terrible tools which need to like massively work on their user experience. I think both of these combined pretty much are like, also necessary. But unless you have really not understood the sector that you are still going to have to do the hard work. If you do the hard work, you can really realize how impactful DAOs can be and how satisfactory they can be. But there is no shortcut. That's the bottom line.
0: Yeah, it seems like one of the best features and biggest challenges for DAOs is that they allow you to spread governance rights very broadly including amongst your community and your users. And traditionally in corporate in the corporate arena you spread governance rights maybe between your owners, investors and maybe your employees. I mean, yes, your employees to an extent, but usually not your users and usually not your community. There's probably some exceptions of companies that are very community oriented, um, that are very uh, user focused, that try really hard to listen to those two groups. But even then, those groups don't actually have governance rights. So now we have an environment where users and communities are given governance rights, and that makes the project much more engaging. Um, Certainly seems like in the long run that will make decisions better because you're not being driven purely by profit motive, but by user, <coughs> users and community around some kind of uh, protocol or platform. Um, but that's also where the challenge comes in, because then you've got you know, the 20 or 30 people who would otherwise make up like the management team of a company. Now they're the core team or something of a DAO, but there are 20 other thousand people that they have to convince to vote when they want to do something a different way. Um, does that sound right?
1: Yeah, I agree 100% to it. And th- these powers, like they can be brilliantly utilized and demonst- the value can be demonstrated in the right way. I think there are, there are experiments, there are examples of that. But of course, in this scenario, couldn't agree more that, yes, you need to do the hard work. So,
0: Yep. All right. The next story is another tweet. This one is from Chase Chapman. And the tweet yeah. is... There's a disconnect between the original vision for autonomous organizations and the reality of DAOs today. Smart contracts do enforce certain rules and agreements, but we are nowhere near organizations being run fully by smart contracts, and I'm not sure we'll ever be. At the end of the day, there are always humans actively choosing to buy into the systems we use every day. Humans run staking nodes. Humans vote on risk parameters. If you remove humans from the equation entirely, the world becomes pretty bleak. Which brings us to how we see DAOs today. Autonomous refers to a combination of automation, which is smart contracts enforcing agreements, and autonomy, which is decentralized voting mechanisms that minimize risk of centralizations. Humans have the power to make decisions. Smart contracts enforce them. So I think what... Chase is getting at here is that she has this vision for DAOs that's a little bit different from what we normally see in the DAO space. It's a vision that I share, uh, although I guess I hadn't thought of it as something that a lot of people really have in mind when they talk about DAOs today, and kind of like a very down the road vision, which is that you could have uh, organizations that are not even run by people at all. Like imagine a, 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 a smart car, so a, a self-driving car that's an Uber, so a self-driving Uber that actually also has a smart contract living on the blockchain that represents its interests. And that smart contract will pay for repairs if the car needs repairs. The smart contract is what people pay when they want to get a ride. And the smart contract pays the taxes, it pays the tolls. So basically you have this autonomous system, a car that owns itself. And has no people involved whatsoever. Um, and I do think it might be fair to call that a DAO because it's decentralized in that it's using blockchain, it's autonomous in that um, it is really fully automated. There's no people involved. Um, I think we might need a different name for that when that comes around. Maybe it's like fully robotic organizations, or you know, I don't have a good a good name for it. But I, I think what DAO has come to mean is. It's an organization of people that's using decentralization and and, and auto, autonomy 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 as much as they can, and using smart contracts to run that organization. So great vision, but I also think uh, that's not necessarily what most people are thinking about when they think about DAOs in the first place.
1: Yeah, but I think like uh, since, by the way, big fan of Chase for all of her thoughts that she keeps sharing on Twitter and. I think like, I have a slightly different vision or slightly different view here in terms of how DAOs are going to evolve. By the way, I agree to whatever you just said, that if you look at it from the point of view of a car, or if you look at it from the point of view of, let's say, something which can be efficiently run by code, and you don't really need human beings to interfere on a day-to-day level, then that model can become truly autonomous as well, to a large extent. Like, If not 100%, maybe 99%. Where human decisions are involved, yes, the problem that Chase is highlighting pretty much comes to the forefront where we will probably never get comfortable letting go of the entire control out of our hands. And even if we do it, there are people who are trying to like rig the game in their favor, whether it's through attacks or something, and there is always that risk. So you would wanna like have some overrides and whatnot. But I also see DAOs, like there's this term called decentralized before the word autonomous. And decentralization also in its true sense is as far as the last year demonstrate it's not really working the way we have thought that oh you know what like you have a project out there and you can just open it to the community and the community will come and take care of it because they are passionate people about it that that works in certain scenarios but then there is a lot of like there's this element of uh, uncertainty or unpredictability where you're like hey we don't know we can't for sure say that this task will be done. And as an organization, these organizations which are like time-bound, they are very efficient in that aspect, right? Like if they say that something will be done by 10th, it will be done by 10th. In a DAO, you may realize that we were supposed to close the vote on 8th, but then people didn't participate. Or maybe nobody really was active or like they just said that they need more time or somebody was like unresponsive on Discord or whatever. And... Those aspects are, which is like those aspects are the primary reason why some of the best DAOs that were truly decentralized are also moving to that state where they are like, hey, we'll be partially decentralized now. Like what I mean by partial decentralization, it's not in the ethos. Like they they are all in favor of decentralization and not having one central authority, but the work is being done by a selected group of people. It's not like every work is not open to the community only a part of the work is open to the community. And that's also a shift. I think DAOs will pretty much settle somewhere where the autonomous term is redefined slightly. The decentralized term is also understood in a different lens. And that is probably going to happen over the next two, three years as we end up hitting a model that's truly a DAO that's accepted as a norm in the form of this is a DAO and it's working for us.
0: Hmm. Yep. I think it's going to require a lot of people becoming much more capable at participating in governance. Yeah, You know, absolutely. You know, like in the nonprofit world, I've done a lot of work in the nonprofit world. Every nonprofit that I know of, at least, is run by a board. And there's always a shortage of board members. I mean, you don't usually get paid to be on the board of a nonprofit. In fact, you're probably donating money. Um, But there's a shortage of board members because it's hard to find people that even want to do governance, let alone that are actually really good at it. Um, So this this shift to DAOs is going to require a massive education of of people that otherwise would never have been part of governing anything except their governments, I suppose, getting much more educated about governance. All right, the last story of the week. This is from Bloomberg Law, and the headline is, DAOs might be cure for biotech startups and new drug development. OREC uh, partners Joseph Perkins and Steven Tao explain how early stage biotech startups can use decentralized autonomous organizations to provide an alternative to traditional sources of capital. So this story is primarily about how uh, some DSI projects, so decentralized science is a, is a kind of a buzzword for this type of thing, um, are, 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 are creating DAOs that go after some particular uh, biotech or science related uh, mission. So, for example, VitaDAO is one DAO uh, that was created to fund longevity research, and one of the things mentioned in this article, which I hadn't realized, is that Pfizer uh, committed half a million dollars to the DAO, um, which certainly gave it some um, some uh, uh, some trust in, in the community. Um, but beyond that, you know, to me, actually, what's most interesting about this article is I think about. A lot of conversations I've had over the past couple of years, where someone says to me something like, "Oh, people are just doing DAOs because it's an easier way to raise money. They don't really want DAOs. They don't really want decentralization." And I think what's interesting about that comment is, you know, first of all, I think it's wrong because I think actually most DAOs are DAOs because they believe in more decentralized forms of governance and and or, and running organizations. Um, but I also think it might be wrong to criticize this new form of funding a project um you know if for example Uh, I think it's totally reasonable to think that what we now call crowdfunding, which can take place on Kickstarter or other web platforms, even without blockchain and crypto being involved. I think it's very reasonable to think that that's actually going to be a big part of how projects get funded in the future, especially when you're funding something that will directly impact the people who are funding it. So if you're funding a project that researches cures for a disease that you have, you may be much more willing to give of your money to that organization. And when you know you're gonna have governance rights, you may be even more willing to give money than you'd be if it were a Kickstarter or something else. So I think that um, DAOs do represent a unique, new, new potential way for people to raise money Um, where projects may not have been able to raise as much money in the past. The only thing is, of course, if you're going to use your DAO as a way to raise money more easily, as opposed to that being kind of a secondary thing that's going on in the background, you should especially make sure that you're looking at securities laws and, um, you know, considering that if if, if you're telling people like, hey, you know, invest in my project, then it definitely puts you under securities um, rules, at least in the U.S. And so you definitely want to check that out, too.
1: Yeah, and uh, I have quite a lot of friends who are working in the biotech space as far as decentralized organizations go. In fact, we have been seeing this group of DeSci communities, uh, and at the same time, the other community group that's been really doing well, or has been popping up a lot, is Impact Ours. Maybe we can talk about it later, but uh, DeSci and Impact, both of them, the what what we have been seeing and specifically as I have worked, like we have worked we've talked to people from Vita, we have worked with people from Molecule. There is another DAO called BiodAo, very good friends there as well. Uh, the core idea is like multifold, right? Like it's it's of course about ensuring that hey there are these projects that get funded in a traditional organization only if they are like low risk. And BiodAo came and said like hey you know what? We are gonna deal with something which is easy access to talent because there are these researchers who are willing to get paid in crypto and pursue research, which is going to be risky if there is a guarantee that there is a way for them to get funded. And it's not like the world is biased. Like VCs probably prefer funding things which are low risk. On the other end, it's also top notch science because there were like, I think one of these DAOs that I was working with, there was a group of like six mentors and each of these mentors, I think the least successful one in terms of exits or the lowest or the smallest exit, there was somebody who had exited their company for three and a half billion, billion dollars post IPO, right? Like, so amazing group of people as mentors, amazing avenues to get funded and amazing like opportunities for you to fund small scale. And once you have like some milestones, you can unlock subsequent funds. So I, I completely agree. Um, in terms of like how these communities are scaling up. And Pfizer, I know for a fact, has been involved with a lot of these communities. They're taking interest into it big time. And Pfizer is known to be pretty smart with its decisions on at least these funding fronts. So I think that's also a major signal. You are seeing these major Web2 players come in or these Web2 giants start like gripping, right? Like that is why you have somebody like Starbucks launching an NFT, Porsche coming into NFTs, like Disney doing things with Polygon and whatnot. And I think the equivalent of it in the biotech space would be something like what Pfizer has done. So good signals for sure. Uh, it's just that what you c- concluded that there is a lot of ambiguity around security risks and like the government coming after you, right? Like that's that's been there, which is precisely why my friends at Biodemo, I know that they delayed their launch by seven, eight months because they were like battling these questions around how, what is the best way for me to compensate somebody sitting here in uh, like Los Angeles and paying somebody who's probably contributing out of Bangkok. How do I really make that happen? What are the legal implications of it? And are those tokens really of any worth if there is no like real world value associated to it? And like, what is the risk involved if we go and play the safe route of not really making it a security? So tons of, uh ambiguities around that as well but i think like again the way forward is more people like pfizer coming in because when they come in there's a limelight suddenly that oh something is happening here and that's where once you have the limelight you're more likely to solve it so
0: yep love it all right. That does it for the Dow at News Report for this week. Uh, please make sure to tune in again later in the week for the more in-depth interview with Vikram, and we will revisit what you brought up, which is impact DAOs and other trends in DAOs. Um, thank you so much, Vikram, for joining us for the Dow at News Report this week.
1: Thanks, Adam. An absolute pleasure being here, and it was fun.
0: Awesome. So where can people find you on the web and on social?
1: Uh, I am just available at Vicks Rum, So it's V-I-K-S underscore R-U-M everywhere. Telegram, Twitter, and I have my own website if you are very curious. So it's MeetWickRum, M-W-E-T, V I K R A M V-I-K-R-A-M.com. So at the rate Wixrum awesome. and MeetWickRum.com.
0: Yeah. Love it. And you can find me on Twitter at 0xThriller. MyDAO is at MyDAODS. That's M-I-D-A-O-D-S on Twitter or MyDAO.org. And are you thinking about starting a DAO? Just Dow It. Just Dow It is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Just Dow It does not contain any legal or financial advice. My Dow also does not provide legal or financial advice, and nor does your host, yours truly.